0: Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back to another amazing service here at God Squad Church. Thank you guys so much for being here. My name is Daylight, and I uh, I help at this church do some things, you know? And so uh, one of my roles is leadership development, and um, I'm just so thankful that I can be back with you guys. If you're new here, hi, appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming. Um... You know, I pray that the message that uh, the Lord has placed in my heart would embolden you and empower you and help change your life. Um, and for all of the OGs, all the people in the chat right now, all the people watching on the YouTube's, hey, I love you. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for hanging out with us. Um, hopefully, I pray that uh, this message would be one that that starts to change the fabric of your reality. It starts to change the way that you perceive your life, and it allows you to have a new relationship with God, um, because it changes that dynamic of that perspective. And so today's message is entitled, A Drowning Doubt. We've just realized that Twitch doesn't like, like, in the words, I guess, to to use the word drowning. This, This isn't exactly like, there's going to be some overlap in the way that I've talked about it, but we're not really talking about like drowning in water, but there is like the the okay, never mind. but it, it's more of a drowning in your problems, in your issues, in the way that you are handling life. Have you ever felt like you were drowning in problems and everything you have tried to do? Every way you've tried to get past them never seems to work. Today, I want to talk about three surefire ways to keep you drowning. Or, if you think about it, how not to. I've been on boats before. and they can be a spectacular thing. If you've ever been on a boat or you've ever driven a boat, put some put some hype in the chat right now. I, I want some spam emotes, okay? Whoever emotes the first emote just copy their emote. Or if you're in YouTube, I want you to go down in the comments and and say if if you've driven a boat, I want you to uh, to message put a uh, comment captain or if you've been a passenger in a boat, I want you to put In the comments, second mate, all right, captain or second mate. I've done both at this point, and I, for some reason, am not going to lie to you. I changed a little bit, you know what I mean? My accent starts to change when I'm on a boat. I mean, I turn into a pirate basically, (laughs) and I started saying things like. That's right. That's right. Second mate. That's right. Uh, scurvy dog. I don't know. I'm just kidding. That that doesn't happen at all. But what I have to say is like the way that, that I, when I, the, the feelings that I get, the way that things change when I'm on a boat, it feels like so peaceful and relaxing. It is the most fun I've ever had. When I think about my most favorite memory, when I think if someone's like, what's the, the, the funnest day you've ever experienced in your life? I literally think back to this day where I had 12 leaders on my leadership team and I brought them to a boating day. I rented a boat. I'd never driven a boat in my entire life. I didn't even know, like there's things called tilt. There's like, there's a lot going on with boat and driving. And they were just like, here you go. And they're like handing me the keys. You know what I mean? Gave them money. And I was just like, this is what money does. Just lets people just take boats. And so I just get to drive this boat And the memory I have of that, the absolute excitement that I had from being on that boat was incredible. Now I was scared out of my mind because I'd never driven a boat. And when you have a $40,000 boat that you're, you're driving, it's a little scary. I don't know what's going to happen. What if I like mess up the motor or like I'm going to a sandbar or like what? I don't know. I have no idea. So my fear wasn't really tired to, tied to like the lake or what was happening. Like there, it was a beautiful day. But I had a fear of what happens if I mess this up, right? What happens if I really, really do something wrong? Have you ever played the game Atlas? Now this is the most obscure game in history. So like you might not have played it. I played it with a couple of buddies for like a week, a couple of years back. And it's like, what did it exclaimed to be? was it was supposed to be this game where you kind of like are able to create anything and you're able to, to the major part that we did was like we built a huge ship and we went sailing and it's supposed to have a huge sandbox theme. And it, the, 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 the plan is really cool. The idea behind the game was amazing, but the implementation was terrible. So me and the boys get to go in and we build this insane ship and then we start sailing it. And there was just random glitches in this game. There was one where we were sailing and the boat just goes like three miles in the air. and It just comes back down in the water and lands and breaks into pieces. If you've ever played any games with boats, right? Like everybody's thinking the same game I am right now. Go ahead and comment it. Go ahead say it. Say it. What's, what's the game? I'm going to give you a second. Go ahead and say, what game are we thinking about when we think about Boats? Everybody's thinking the same game. I'm going to give you guys a little bit of time. Go comment it right now in the YouTube comments. Go ahead, write it down. What game am I about to say? If you get it right, I'll give you a virtual pat on the back. (laughs) When we talk about Boats, the first game that pops into my head is Sea of Thieves. And Sea of Thieves, you get to, you know, employ these different vessels, right? You can captain this big old ship or this small little boat. But the dangers are still the same in the water. You might face a kraken. Right, you might go against you might go against a creature that is literally trying to snap your ship in half. You should be nervous about that if you're playing Sea of Thieves, and you're not equipped to deal with it. Now, when you're in Sea of Thieves, you've seen where like the ocean starts to really rage, where the storms come in and it's like rolling the boat. And it gives you a little sense of like, oh, this is dangerous. But it's nothing usually too crazy. But there's been movies like the movie The Perfect Storm. I don't know if you know what that movie is. I think it had like George Clooney in it and uh, Mark Wahlberg. But basically these guys were on this like tuna fishing trip and like they basically needed to get this haul in to have money for the season and they got caught in this like really crazy storm that came in from all sides. But like the waves that they show in this movie are cataclysmic. They they're insane. They're like <laughs> hundreds of feet tall and like they're like this little boat on this massive wave. And this is really the essence of what I picture. This is the essence of what I fe- of what I feel like The disciples are trying to have you understand. The Bible is trying to explain to you about the fear that the disciples had in Luke 8. Now, do I think the waves on the Sea of Galilee were eight? No, I don't think that. But I'm just saying, the the, the way that they talk about the storm, the fear that they had in them, it was the fear of death because of the storms that they were in. Now, before we jump into Luke 8, you have to understand something about the Sea of Galilee. You have to understand the setting, where they were. So, the Sea of Galilee is an interesting interesting place. Because this sea is about 12 miles long and about 8 miles wide. And it is known to have incredibly violent storms that happen on it. And people often are like, well, what's wrong with this lake? Like what's what's going on with this sea, right? Like what's wrong with this thing? The problem lies in the fact of where it's located. And so it's way below every area it's around. It's literally in the middle of a valley. I think it's a valley called the Rift Valley. And it's in a very low lying position. And around it are these giant hills. And even there's mountains to the east. And what happens is, is when the cold air, dry air, comes off of the mountains, blowing over it from the east, it creates an incredible battle <laughs> in the air. And what ends up happening is it creates the perfect storm, and it starts to create havoc and chaos on the waters of the Sea of Galilee. And during this specific time. The disciples in Luke 8, 22, they're experiencing one of these violent storms. Let's jump into the scripture. Luke 8, 22, 20 through 25 says this. One day he and his disciples got into a boat and he told them, let's cross over to the other side of the lake. So they set out. And as they were sailing, he fell asleep. Then a fierce windstorm came down on the lake. They were being swamped and were in danger. They came and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we're going to die. Then he got up and he rebuked the wind and the raging waves. So they ceased and they were calm. He said to them, Where is your faith? They were fearful. And amazed, asking one another, Who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves, and they obey him. All right, that's the scripture we're breaking down today. And I want to get into some themes here, right? One of the themes you can see obviously in here is like the fear that these men are facing. And God kind of calls them out on it like, Where's your faith at? What are you doing? See, they allowed that storm to control them. They allowed it to take precedence and dominate the way that they were moving through life. And like rightfully so in some manner, right? Like they literally are being swamped, it said. Like, which means that the water is pouring over on the boat. They're like, oh no, what do we do? Jesus just in the corner like, like just straight out in the corner and and they're like, ah, and they're panicking. Like I kind of get it from that perspective, right? Most people I know would be in the same situation. Have you guys ever seen the movies where like something starts going bad and like one of the characters will grab another person and be like, oh, and like throw them down. It's like nothing to actually do with what's happening. It actually slows them down from like running away, but they still do it. That's how I picture these guys were. That's how I picture most of my friends would be, man. They would just like, they'd be like, we are going to make it? And just start shaking them like, what, what, what are we accomplishing here? But we do irrational things when we're scared, we disconnect what we know. And we allow our emotions, our emotions to take over. And we become controlled by fear rather than keeping calm and conquering the water that's swamping our boat. Because if you know anything about boats, or if you've ever played Sea of Thieves where you take the buckets and you just unload them, you understand that the most logical thing to do in that moment is to get to solving the problem, right? We repair the side of the ship. We we go downstairs and we, we empty the boat. Like, There is a best practices procedure. It might not work. But there is a best practices that we should be immediately drawn to. But when we allow fear to take over, that completely thwarts every good idea. Actually, when we let our emotions take over, what happens is we become completely illogical. And we tend to do things that don't make sense. We're all going to die! (laughs) things that accomplish nothing and you can tell the difference between someone who is being logically led or who's being emotionally led some distinct notes i want to cue in here when we talk about this scripture verse and as we break it down you can see these things and this is the idea of fear over faith right As God rested in peace, they panicked. As God stood in command, they cowered. As God pointed them inward, they looked outward. Let's break that down a little bit. As God rested in peace, they panicked. Jesus was out cold in the boat. Do you think he didn't know the storms were... Like, it just didn't scare him. He knew that that storm was under his command. He knew that he was still in control. He was peacefully sleeping. And if the the disciples would have taken a moment and just realized, oh, if, if Jesus isn't panicking in this, if God is here and he's got this, like I shouldn't be scared. I shouldn't be fearful because the Lord has this. And when I say as God stood in command, they cowered. Jesus was like, oh. waves, what are you doing? Calm down. Wind, stop blowing. And boom, it goes calm. As the disciples are like, ah, 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 ah. as God stood in command, they cowered. And as God pointed them inward, where's your faith? Like, where's your faith? They only looked outward of like, oh no, oh no, oh no, oh no. And they let the anxieties and the storm dictate the control of them. What you can see here is, when you just look at it from a general overview, the disciples just did the opposite of what God either wanted or did. And it caused them fear. It caused them to panic. It caused them to do illogical things. See, when you understand who you are in Him, there can be a supernatural peace, even in the greatest troubles. And sometimes we equate this idea of like trouble. We think that like storms only happen to like bad people or storms only happen like in certain situations. But the truth of the matter is, is like the Bible shows us like storms come, right? Hardships come, problems come. And I'm using this as an understanding, an allegory to make you make you understand the storms of life are going to come, right? Hardships are going to happen. But this was a real storm for them. It was a real, like real life problem. It was tangible. And the same thing happened to Jonah. But what I find interesting is the storms came to Jonah when he was heading in the wrong direction. Right? When he was living in disobedience. And the same storms came to the disciples. When they were heading in the right direction, when they were living in obedience, right? They were literally following Jesus. And I find that so interesting because the storms and the hard situation doesn't necessarily mean you've done something wrong. It could be that you're doing something right. Or be a simple side effect of a fallen world. It rains on the just and the unjust. The storms will come no matter what. It's your ability to gain perspective and realize by the leading of the Holy Spirit that you can see through the storm and understand what God has for you through the storm. I truly believe this with my whole heart that some storms are meant to disrupt your disobedience. It's meant to wake you up. It's meant to be that, that cold water when you were sleeping. And that storm comes to disrupt your disobedience like it did for Jonah when he ran from God. And other storms, I believe they're meant to obstruct your obedience. Two different storms, two different directions. And both of them bring you back to the reality of the situation you're dealing with. So I believe some storms are meant to disrupt your disobedience and others are meant to obstruct your obedience. So how do you sort which is which? You have to take some time. You have to look within. You have to realize like where it is that you're walking in right now. Am I running from God right now or am I trying to chase after God? Are these storms being set because of my disobedience or am I walking in these storms because I am trying to chase after God and the devil wants to disrupt me? Or is this just a circumstance of a fallen world and hardships come? But a Christian that is passionate about following God will even use the storms that come just naturally because we live in a fallen world. They'll use those storms to draw closer to Jesus. They will. And the truth of the matter is, is your storms, your hardships, your problems, the obstacles that are standing in your way. They will do one of two things, but they will move you. It'll be a choice you have to make. That in that storm, will I move towards Jesus or away from Jesus? Because when the waves are being tossed and the boat is being slammed against, you're not standing still. Something is happening and you might not even intentionally be meaning it, but you are unintentionally drifting. But no matter what, you are moving. So think about the intentionality that you can have in the storm. It'll change the way you frame it. Move with intentionality. I know for me, I would rather be the one captaining the ship when I'm facing the storms. You've seen it in a lot of movies, a lot of concepts where like, these characters that were supposed to be great and grand and leaders, they're like, get paralyzed by this fear. And you can almost say, you know, they always play them. They always play them with like this really dramatic scene where they're just sitting there, like, all is lost. What do we do? And they, they make them like this really character caught in stupor. I don't want to be that guy, I don't want to be that girl. I want to have my hands on the wheel. And as I'm facing the storms, I'm looking for Jesus. I'm looking for God as I'm trying to try to navigate the hardships my problems. I'm not going to let the sea just toss me around. I'm going to find intentionality that when the problems and the hardships come and I'm trying to find direction, I am not going to just, I guess it's over now. How do you react when your faith is being tested? Do you run like Jonah? Or do you panic like the disciples? Or do you stare into the eye of the storm and try to find the path God has at the end of the tunnel? Because God is always leading you. He is always leading you through. See, this is a repeated trend in the Bible. Whether it's Moses fearing death from Pharaoh, or it's Elijah fearful for his life after he calls down the fire on the prophets of Baal and he flees. Begging God to take his life. Or it's the fear that you see that Peter goes through when he denies Jesus three times. The truth of the matter is that no matter where, no matter what, no matter how, God is waiting to lead you through. And one of the natures we have as men and women, as humans, is to lose God in the storm. We tend to lose God in the storm. And we fall on the on the basic level of our fear. When I say I want to be still captain of the ship when the storms come, what I'm really saying is I want the level of, of, of this, the, the gravity of that situation, when it pushes on me, I want to fall to the level of my faith rather than to the level of my fear. And if you fall, To the level of your fear, of course, you're going to be in this chaotic, uncontrolled, scared, fearful, anxiety, depressed place. But if you learn to fall to the level of your faith, you're going to hold fastly to the steering wheel. Because you understand that no matter how bad the storm looks on the outside, no matter how much it hurts, no matter how much his pain is coming through the storm, that God will get you through. We often, when we're surrounded in our storm, we, we can't see logically what's on the outside. We, we can't. We go through the storms and that's all we can see. That's, that's We're in the situation. It's hard for us to gain perspective when we're in the storm. And in the hour of the storm, we imagine everything is about to perish. And then Jesus pulls us back to reality. Like, where is your faith? See, some of those storms are meant to be battled. It's believed because of the way it's talked about in this scripture verse in Luke 8. And the way that the word is that Jesus rebuked the waves and the wind. That the storm wasn't a natural, normal storm, which the Sea of Galilee was prone to. But it was probably drummed up by what the Bible calls the master of the air. Who is the devil? And it was probably drummed up to break the ministry and mission that Jesus had for himself and these men. Imagine all the apostles, all the disciples were on the boat. Boats, there's multiple. Jesus, the son of God, like what better of a time than the devil to be like, hey, this is my chance. Jesus wasn't even phased. It was like it didn't say. Jesus woke up startled, <laughs> with peace. He knew he, he, he knew where he, he his place was. Some of these storms are meant to be battled, and if you're unsure, pray. There are wars being waged in the heavenlies. Your prayer life can be a deliberate strike to the powers that are working against you and other people in your life. Christian, too many times you're walking in this world powerless. When you have been empowered by God, you've been empowered by the creators of the heavens and the earth the one who created the winds and the oceans and the tides and every star and planet you were created by him and you were empowered by him. Stop walking in this world thinking that your, your life has no purpose, that it has no meaning and that it has no power. If you're walking with God and you are astute after him, if you are laser-focused on Him, you can walk in power. God created you in His image. He has placed the Holy Spirit in you when you said, Lord, I give it up to you. I surrender my heart to you. Walk in that power and realize that that power can come through prayer. That that power can come through an encouraging word. That that power can come through opening up and seeking the mysteries that lie within the Bible. You're in a battle. Step out of the stupor. Step out of the days that you've been living in. This life is not meant to be lived just drifting through it's meant to be lived with intentionality it's meant to be to be lived with that that prayer in your heart wielded like a sword it's meant to be walked through in an intimate relationship with god i think it's funny how Jesus reacts in this situation. He's literally unfazed by what looks like on the outside to be incredibly threatening. He's unfazed by this crazy storm that's happening. But instead, by his words, he is really disturbed by the lack of what is happening on the inside of each disciple around him. Unfazed by the outside, but disturbed by what's raging on the inside of each disciple. Because he sees the war between fear and faith that's raging on in each and every one of these men and women. And those battlings are deafening to Jesus. And it's greatly overshadowing everything by bounds, by leaps and bounds. It's greatly overshadowing the storm that's raging on. That to me means that the storms you're going through are less important than how you're going through them. I'm going to say that again. I'm going to get close to the camera. The storms you're going through matter less than how you're going through them. I hope you got that. Jesus seems to always be more interested, which lies deeper beneath what everyone else can see. He seeks to redeem the deepest parts of who we are. He literally says to them, Where is your faith? Where is it? Where's your faith? That's literally in dressing the inside. Because that faith would have dictated different behavior. And that fear dictated the exact behavior they gave. It's giving fear. In verse 25, he said to them, where is your faith? I told you I'd give you three ways to drown in your doubt. Three ways. I'm going to give you a little little disclaimer here. Because I know there might be some Twitter warriors trying to catch my words. So I'll give the disclaimer. Doubt is healthy. There is no faith without the weight of doubt on the other side of the seesaw. I believe that wholeheartedly. But doubt that leads you away from Jesus is deadly. I didn't say that causes you to question. I said doubt that leads you away from Jesus is deadly. I implore you. Question everything. But remember, Christianity is not built on answers. It's built on believing faith. I'm going to say that again. Question everything, but remember, Christianity isn't built on answers. It's built on believing faith. There are answers, but there is also mystery. Doubt is the first step to disobedience. I truly believe that without doubt, you can't be disobedient. Doubt's the first step. Doubt isn't always leads you to disobedience, but it makes up the formula of disobedience. I'm going to say it one more time. Doubt is healthy. But doubt that leads you away from Jesus is deadly. Leave that there. Doubting. I told you three ways to drown your doubt. One, doubt Jesus' plan. What do you mean? What, what, What are you talking about? The disciples, their unbelief was not that they were afraid of a fearful circumstance, but because Jesus had said, let's go to the other side of the lake. He had a plan in mind. They were literally following after him, his direction. Jesus didn't say, hey, let's be the best we can be and maybe we will all, we all won't drown. He didn't say, you know, partially follow the plan or like, you know, uh, sit on the shore and just watch and make sure I make it. No, they were on a journey together. And the first problem here is their doubt led them to doubting Jesus's plan. Jesus marked the plan. We're going to go across the sea. The Sea of Galilee and what Jesus was using the Sea of Galilee for and often was used. It was used by fishermen, obviously, to catch different fish. But it was often used for travel, fast travel, because you could get to one place very quickly. But for Jesus, it was even more important because if Jesus is walking on the land, going through cities, he was being impeded and he couldn't fulfill the mission that he was on. Because people would want to stop and be like, "Yo, hey, heal me, like do this, like, like Jesus, do this, teach me fast. Like, and obviously he wouldn't be able to make his way to where he was heading. He had a plan. And it was to cross five miles in the Galilee to get to the other side. He was on about a five mile route, not the eight mile width that I was talking about earlier. Doubting Jesus' plan is a surefire way to drown. Storms will come no matter what you do, but I know I can take on every storm that comes in my path if the path I am following is to pursue Jesus. Like, you should be really, really scared. You should be so scared if you're on a path right now that is not pursuing Jesus and there's storms coming your way, because that path is filled with danger, it's actually leading to destruction. But when you are following God, when you are looking out and you see the pillar of fire in in, 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 in the air, when he is guiding you, there is nothing to fear because he has good plans for you not plans to harm you not plans to destroy you he has good plans for you and even though the skies might get dark even though everything around you seems like there's no way i'm making out of making out of this there's there's no possible way he's simply whispering follow me i have you I have you. I have you. So the first surefire way to drown. To drown in your doubt is to not follow Jesus' plan. He had a plan for the, the disciples. They knew the plan. They panicked. I don't even want to know what they would have done if he wasn't there. Number two, a surefire way To drown in your doubt would be to doubt Jesus' power. To doubt his dominion. And if you do that, Cameras down, we're good. I think beautiful. Awesome. (laughs) You know what that means? Someone's trying to keep you from this next point. Someone's trying to keep you from the rest of this sermon. And I promise you, if my camera goes down, I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep preaching. And you might have to close your eyes and tune in and really not get distracted. Because if you want to keep drowning in your doubt, the second way to do so is to doubt Jesus' power. See, the circumstance that they were in was never the issue. The storm wasn't the evidence of their disbelief. It's how they reacted to the storm. They allowed the difficult circumstance that came into their life to have control. And guess what? God doesn't just want. He doesn't want all of you when you feel like it. He doesn't just want you when it's easy or it's beneficial. When everything feels right. When the worship is coming in just the right way. When the message is hitting you right in your situation. He wants you every day, every second of every hour. He wants all of you. He says daily follow me. He says, pick up your cross and daily follow me. Daily. Daily. He is a jealous God. Whoa, what do you mean by that? What do you you mean by that, Daylight? What I mean when God, when I say God is a jealous God, That doesn't mean he envies you, but instead he deserves you. And when he does not get all of you, he isn't satisfied. He deserves all of the worship, all of the praise, all of the honor and the adoration because they are his alone and for only him, because he is the only one that's truly worth it. And he won't settle for any less. The storms, those hard times that come are going to rock your boat. And they're going to fight to steal God's glory. By taking your attention and making you focus on them. They steal God's spot. When we begin to doubt that God is in control. That his power is sufficient. That he is... Sovereign. But like the waves are too big. You don't understand. You don't see what I see. You're not going through what I'm going through. You don't understand. It's going to kill me. Bro, sis, your greatest storm. Your greatest storms are so tiny in the fingertips of God. He has you. He sees you. He knows every ounce of what you're going through. And in Him, you can have the victory. Lean against Him. Trust in His sovereignty. Trust in His plan. Trust in His power. Too many times, we allow the storms to take the place of God. And we give them too much reverence We give them too much of our attention because we place too much on their power when they were, but infinitely small in the fingertips of God. He created them. He is the master of them. This is his world. And your problems are just living in it. Number three. If you want to drown in your doubt, doubt Jesus' place. Doubt His providence. The disciples all should have known that God would not allow the Messiah to perish in that boat crossing the Sea of Galilee. The Messiah is not going out that way. It was not possible for the story of Jesus, the Messiah to end with him drowning in the Sea of Galilee if he was who he said he was. But there was a doubt from the disciples on Jesus's place. They doubted he was who he said he was, because (laughs) I promise you, if you are sitting and you believe that this person next to you is God, then guess what? Those storms look infinitely small. And if they're placing that much weight on those storms, they doubt that Jesus is who he said he is. They doubt the place in which he holds in their life. Your problems will try to become your master and they will if you let them. I've seen so many people become a slave to their situation, a slave to their mental health, a slave to their addiction, a slave to fear, a slave to their inaction, a slave to their family's dysfunction. You know what, like, too many times. I've also seen those moments of hardship enslave you to what you used to escape them. Drugs, video games, unhealthy relationships, alcohol, anime, food, self-help, weightlifting, binging, it doesn't matter. If you are using something to escape the storms of life, you can become enslaved to them. You start to put those things in the place of God. If you want to drown, replace God with X, Y, Z. Who is your God? The answer can be found in where you put your time, where you place your talents, where you give your treasure. Don't allow Jesus to lose his place in your life. The rest of verse 25. They were fearful and amazed asking one another, who then is this? He commands even the winds and the waves and they obey him? Like bro, my dude took a nap, all right? Jesus is still there. Like all the things he had already done in Luke still happened. Like, what do you mean? It's like they had a memory reset. They were fearful and amazed, asking one, or, who that is this? How did we come upon this Jesus? Like they were following him. Mans took a nap for a minute and the, they were like lost control of where they were. They, they didn't even know what times, like Dr. Strange type stuff. They forgot who he was in moments. And you're like, Daylight, you're overreacting a little bit. No, I'm not. Listen to some of the things that Jesus did just earlier on in the book of Luke. How about the fact when he was born of a virgin in Luke 2, 8 through 20, and there was an angelic proclamation for his coming. Or Jesus' baptism by John the Baptist and the descent of the Holy Spirit. People literally saw the fire of God fall on Jesus in Luke 3, 21 through 22. Or Jesus' healing of the demon-possessed man in Capernaum in Luke 4, 31-37? Or how about Jesus' healing of Simon Peter, his mother-in-law, in Luke 4, 38-39? Or Jesus' healing of various diseases and casting out of demons in Luke 4, 40-41? Or Jesus' cleansing of a leper in Luke 5, 12-16? How about when Jesus healed of a paralyzed man that was lowered through the roof in Luke 5, 17 to seventeen through 26. Or the Jesus healing of a man with a withered hand on Sabbath. Or the fact that Jesus has healed many who were sick and demon possessed in Luke 6. Or how about when he healed the centurion servant from a distance in Luke 7. Wait, wait. wait, wait. Last but not least, how about when he raised the widow's son from the dead in Nain in Luke 7, 11 through 17. Like, what are we talking about? Who then is this? Like, what do you mean? The truth is all humans do this and I don't get it because I do it too. We spend a week away from God and we act like, whoa, God, how do you do such miracle today, God? Create fire, wow. Like. It's crazy, but it speaks to our need of constant relationship with him. Our daily closeness dissipates our heart's habit of growing distant. I'm gonna say that again. Our daily closeness dissipates our heart's habit of growing distant. If you spend time daily in close proximity with Jesus, it will dissipate the heart's habit of drifting away. I mean, it was just a few moments and and these disciples acted like this is the first miracle they've ever seen God do. Why would they be following him then? Don't allow time To distance you from God daily, daily, daily. Daily. Spend time with Him. Recenter yourself. Align with Him. The three ways to drown in doubt were to doubt His plan when He is leading, to doubt His power and that he is sovereign to doubt his place and how he measures up to your problems. If you don't want to drown. Paying attention to where he's leading is probably important. Following his path. If you don't want to drown. Relying on his power and not some cheap replacement is probably a good idea. And lastly, if you don't want to drown, putting Him before everything else is the answer. How do you do these things? It's through prayer and reading your Bible. It's through getting into intimate intimate relationships, close relationships with people in a community. And so, simply said, read your Bible, pray, get into community. And lastly, learn how Jesus designed you so you can begin to serve, because in the In the ladder of serving, you realize your place and how much God has given you and afforded you and your gratitude increases. Pray, read your Bible, find community, discover your purpose. Use those things to change the world. God has a plan for you. He sees your storms. And he's holding your hand, but only if you stop doing this and you let him. Don't let your distance keep you from what the Lord has for you. If no one's told you they love you today, we here at God's Squad Church And I, I love you. Talk to you soon.
1: (sighs) Amen. Guys, can we put some hearts in the chat? Because what an incredible, incredible sermon from Pastor Daylight. Uh, There was just so much goodness (laughs) that was just dropped in that sermon. And man, I know it was really speaking to me and just a current storm that I'm personally facing and seeing, you know, family face and gosh, it's such a good reminder, you know, just to look at how Jesus, you know, how did Jesus react in the storm? Like he wasn't panicking like the disciples were. He was literally sleeping, (laughs) you know, and that's how he would want us to react to is to have faith and to trust Mm -hmm that he is in control, he is always with us. And then the last encouragement to read your Bible, pray, get into community, discover your purpose so that you can serve and make a difference. Like, yes, like a 100%, if you are not doing those things, you need to start. And so I encourage you, if you aren't plugged into an XP group, get plugged into an XP group. If you're not reading your Bible and praying and drawing closer to the Lord, do so I think John 15 is a great place to start as well to study um, as to just what it means to have a relationship with God and what he would want it to look like. I think that's a really great place. I know for me personally, I have been learning a lot through John 15. Myself and so, guys, do do the things, <laughs> do the things, the things. I know it's like Bible Christianity 101, but it's Bible Christianity 101 for a reason, uh, because it's doing those things um, that will truly take your relationship, your faith with God, to a new level, a deeper level. So, so, so good. And so, if you are here. Um, Maybe you have been a Christian your whole life, or maybe, you know, you walked away, or maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus, Um, but you would like to connect, you would like prayer, you would like encouragement, that I encourage you to fill out our connect form. And we would love more than anything to connect with you, to walk through any and all next steps that you have available to you. Um we do water baptisms here at God Squad Church. We have an XP path which will be launching June 3rd um which will be talking about a lot of the things as well. Um, about especially discovering your purpose and how you can serve in the church. And you know, then there's XP groups where you can develop community that if you fill out this connect form with as much information as you're comfortable, we'll connect with you, we'll help you get plugged in, we'll help you with your next steps and walk alongside you. We would love, truly love to do that with you and for you. And so we do encourage you to definitely fill that out and we will connect with you. You guys, we are so so thankful that we have this privilege and opportunity to do this on Twitch Um, and just to share, you know, the incredible good message of Jesus with everyone who will pop in to listen. (laughs) Um, It is such an incredible opportunity and privilege that we have here. And if you feel led to help us continue in this mission, I encourage you, um, if you are here, if you have been touched, if you have been ministered to, Um, and you would like to partner alongside of us to help us continue in our mission to reach gamers for Jesus, then I would, you know, love for you to consider giving financially to the church. We believe that giving is an act of worship. It's in a way for us to give back to God. It's a way for us to worship him. Worship isn't just about the songs that we sing. Um, It's so much more than that. It's literally everything that we do in our lives is meant to be an act of worship unto the Lord, including what we do with our finances. Um, And it's a way for us to partner with God so that more and more people can come to know jesus and to experience what you yourself have experienced and have just come to know about god and having a personal relationship with him and so um, i encourage you i challenge you to trust god with your finances today to partner with us if that is something that you would be willing um, and able to do and so there are multiple safe and secure ways for you to give whether it's one-time amount or recurring you can type exclamation point give in chat which the link is already in there thank you um, you can click the links in chat. Um, they're also in the panel below if you want to give through PayPal. You can go to our website, GodSquadChurch.com give, and you can give through there. Um, or if you live in the United States, you can text any amount to the number 84321, and you can set up some very quick and easy text to give, uh, giving options through there. And so, guys, thank you so, 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 so much for your generosity. Um, and for your giving because it's because of your faithfulness and generosity that we are truly able to continue doing what we do here at God Squad Church.